0: Over the uh, past few weeks, uh, we have heard uh, a lot about world mission. Can I say straight from the outset is home mission is equally as important, but we felt uh, that it was right to highlight uh, world mission. And really, we've been to every quarter of the Bible. I'd like to go on for another 12 weeks, but we've got other things to talk about. So just by way of summary, uh, this is where we've been so far. Uh, we started off right at the beginning, in fact, in Genesis, by looking at God's picture, the call upon Abraham's life, moving right the way through to uh, Jesus and his ministry. Secondly, uh, Mark shared with us the way that the, the Bible uh, empowers us to uh, go out on mission. My view is without the Bible, there is no mission uh, at all. Whenever we go on mission, it's important Very, very important to put the gospel and Jesus first. So moving on from that, uh, we then had Paolo uh, preaching to us and talking to us about God calls us uh, to all nations and all peoples. It was a great answer, wasn't it, from the children there, that God does love all of us equally. So then we looked at uh, God's journeys. Uh, Emma preached on this, uh, God's journey across cultures. Across all different cultures. And what is quite nice here is because of the makeup and the diversity of this church, we've had the opportunity to do a lot of mission uh, all over the planet. So, moving on from there, uh, is we had David's very, very powerful word uh, last week looking at God's mission uh, through the centuries. And I think the important thing that uh, I got from that, and just to remind you, of this is that we need to stand up and be counted in terms of mission. There is, friends, no one else. It's just us. We have churched people to really bring on uh, God's kingdom. There's no one else. And this is what the series is about, is mission, I'm possible. So that is not impossible, it's possible. And what I'm going to talk to you today about is something very, very important, is that God cares for everyone now, not later. Not in the past, but right now. Right now. So this is the passage that Kate read. And I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, sometimes it's a a bit like an examination. I can open the Bible, I can read through it, and I can understand it very clearly. And if there was an examination question, I could write an answer on it. Whether I got that right or wrong, I don't know. Other times, I look at the Bible and I find it quite muddled. And I have to pray, have to reflect on it, look at different commentaries in order to understand what's going on. So you can see the context here is that no one could heal her at all. Uh, this lady had tried everything. And uh, I'm not, gonna, I'm gonna, not really going to go into it. But there was all sorts of remedies, pretty nasty remedies. And if you read this passage away from here, in order to heal her, but nothing would work. Nothing would work at all. But uh, she was able to uh, go and find Jesus and touch his cloak, and I 've got a, a picture of what I think the cloak would called, it was called a tallet, what that would have looked like uh, at the time. And then, and I 'm going to talk about this in, a, in more detail, someone said, uh, Jesus said, "Someone's touched me. The power has gone out from me." Well." Jesus knew exactly who touched him, didn't he? He didn't have to say that. And there was a particularly good reason, I would suggest, why he did that. And again, you see that she was instantly healed. Not later, not in the future, but now. She was healed immediately. And then finally said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed healed you. Go in peace. So what I've got is a clip to show you. um, And that is, that represents where the Bible can be quite muddied or uh, communication can be quite uh, muddled you know even with husband and wife you can have a conversation you're trying to get a point across and it's not understood so tell me whether you understand what's going on here Four candles. Four candles. There you are. Four candles. No, four candles. Well, there you are, four candles. No, four candles. (laughs) Candles for forks. any plugs. Plugs? Yeah. What kind of plugs? A rubber one. Bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) What size? 13 amp. I think that um, uh, this particular passage, I think, is quite clear. And uh, in the next 15 minutes or so, I just want to unpack the message that I think that Jesus is giving us. Without any muddle, it's very, very clear, very, very clear to us, hopefully. So, what I've got is the beauty of Luke. We know that Luke was a doctor, and uh, you know, he was a doctor. He was used to healing people. But the reason I use the word beauty is that Luke, in his writing, could clearly see. That there was no other way forward uh, for this woman uh, apart from uh, coming to Jesus. There's three points that I want to make. The first one is probably the most important is social marginals. I'm going to talk about how this woman would have been treated. Just imagine how she was treated. She would have been castigated by a community, religiously, financially and everything else that goes with that. So what can we do about that? Secondly, nurturing faith goes a long, long way. All of, the, all of us here do that. We could certainly do a lot more. This poor woman was at the end of a tether. Her faith told her that all she needed to do, her faith was this strong that just touched the garment and she would be healed. She had no one else to turn to at all. And we do need to rise up and help Uh, nurture faith and that starts and finishes with us and that is a big challenge for me that's a big challenge and some of you will recall this your school reports yeah do you remember all of that what would happen if God did a school report on us about our ability to bring people to faith well I remember some of the comments on my school report and uh, it wasn't as um, uh, perfect as could try harder but Again, to bring some reality to this, this is the conversation that my wife Kate and I had yesterday. What is it that we're doing to give the message of Jesus Christ to friends, to relatives, to people at work? Where is that message? And if, if we're not doing it, why is it? You know, why aren't we doing that? And then finally here, God really does care for all people now at this time. So let's just have a look at this, and just uh, look at this particular verse. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Just imagine that. And we've got a doctor in the house here. Just imagine the frustration about not being able to cure that person. But I think most importantly, she was starved of faith, what I call lifeblood. And as an analogy in his book, um, heavenly man which I would urge you to read by uh, a Chinese missionary a guy called Brother Young uh, Brother Jung. he had for I think about 12 years just one page of the Bible one page and eventually when he got the, the whole thing it was fantastic but his faith was just good enough uh, for um, that piece of paper just one page of the Bible but we're lucky we've got the whole lot haven't we But I think probably one of the most profound things I've seen in the last six weeks is looking at that map that we had printed off is showing what spiritual starvation there is across the planet, particularly in India. But there is still spiritual starvation here. So let's look at this poor lady. She was starved of uh, lifeblood. She had really low self-esteem. She was physically, financially, and religiously outcast. Uh, And if that's not enough, she then had to crawl uh, to Jesus. She had to crawl to Jesus. Isn't it often the way, and this is uh, an indicator for us, isn't it often the way when we see people in this state starved to that point at the lowest ebb, that is an opportunity for us to talk to those people and bring them into the kingdom of God? When Mark Fairweather-Tall spoke, he said that sometimes we're very, very worried um, when we're going to go and talk to people about Jesus. And I experienced that as well. So don't think, you know, I'm the world's greatest evangelist. I always pray. But don't forget that God is in charge. God is always with you at the end of our passage says, go and make disciples of every nation, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, and I will be with you always. I also don't think, it's not that people uh, think that you're some religious nut. Uh, it's all to do with indifference. That's my view, it's indifference. No one's going to tell you off. But just remember to fall back on your testimony. That is the most powerful piece of evangelism that you can give how can we step in uh, to the shoes of someone that is in that particular state low self-esteem lonely or in a worse or just as bad in a, a spiritual desert if you have led someone to Christ you will know that feeling whether it's here in Norwich Uh, whether it be in India, whether it be in Indonesia, whether it be in Uganda, it is one of the best feelings that you can have. And all the Lord requires us to do is to share the gospel, is to share it, speak to someone, share your testimony, and the rest is for God. The rest is for God. Let me also assure you that you are on God's business, on God's business just to make um, my wife Kate laugh is that you know I was a senior police officer in London, and when I retired, I forgot the fact that you're not allowed to go through red lights. You know you've got to stop doing that. And uh, if I did that, Kate said, "You've just gone through a red light." And I'd say, "I'm going about the Queen's business." No, you're not. But this is God's business, and God is there to help you—not now, but always, always, always. Nurturing faith, and again. What I wanted to show you there is I found this very interesting. I didn't know, uh, I've seen biblical pictures of people wearing this. This is called a tallet. And there are five tassels attached to it. And those tass- those t- each tassel represents a part of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the first um, five uh, books of the Bible. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloth and immediately... She was healed. God healed her there and then. That's not always the case, is it? But here is an example with intervention from us, because we're followers of Jesus and we do Jesus' business. It's just by that touch she stopped bleeding. Why didn't she actually go right up to Jesus? Because you could see that uh, Peter was complaining that there were so many people... uh, touching her, you know, who is it? Who is it that's done that touching? So why didn't she go right the way up to Jesus and touch his face, his body? Maybe she couldn't get there, the Bible doesn't say. But I think the important thing is, is her faith, is her faith. My love of mathematics has brought me up with a formula for faith. Faith equals trusting and obeying. If you take out the trusting bit, you haven't got faith. If you don't obey the Lord, you definitely haven't got faith. But you could see those two elements were there with that woman. She knew that all she had to do was to touch the cloth that Jesus was wearing and she would be healed. She was faithful and also she was obeying obeying Jesus. How can we nurture that kind of faith? What is it that we can do? to bring the healing touch of Jesus to other people. Jesus makes it abundantly clear under like that amusing sketch there and he does it through the great suggestion, doesn't he? That that great suggestion that says go and make disciples of all people and some of you are sitting there, I can see Emma smiling. It's not a great suggestion at all, is it? What is it? It's the great commission. God isn't saying to us, well, Steve, you know, Kate, uh, David, Emma, if you fancy it, just sort of pop out and make disciples of all men. That's not the case. This is a commission. Jesus is asking us to do that. And the one thing that I've learned over the last six weeks is the fact that Jesus trusts us enough to share that important responsibility. That's what I've learned over the last few weeks. And also, etched on every single page of everything that we've read out, etched on there is God's love for us and he wants us to show that to other people so that's one of the reasons she had enough faith to just literally touch uh, what he was wearing that talent so the next thing I would ask you here and uh, is this God cares for all people now has Jesus really touched you Have you had that lucid, quiet conversation where you say to Jesus, I know what you've done for me. You knew me before I was born. You know every single head on my hair. You've given on the head. You've given me the Bible. You died for me on the cross. You came back again so that I can live and have an abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus said, so that we may have an abundant life. And that's exactly what he gave this lady here. If you look, and I've seen this too many times, if you look on the top of the Old Bailey, there's the scales of justice. And if you look very, very closely, one of the pans there is tilted in favor of the accused. Jesus has stacked up so much for us. What is it that we can do now for Jesus? If you have touched Jesus, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. This passage is all about touching Jesus. He wants you to do that, but what is it? How can we go much further? Jesus has repaid all our debts. What else is it in our lives that we can do? Moving on to, so Jesus said, someone's touched me. Someone's touched me. I know uh, that power has gone out from me. As I said earlier on, he didn't need to say that, did he? So what is the explanation for that? Not only was she searching for Jesus, Jesus was searching for her, in my view. He's also searching for you and he's searching, most importantly, from your heart. Jesus didn't need to say who touched me, did he? He knew full well who did that. But he wanted to highlight, I believe, the fact that that woman was so faithful, and that is an example for everyone. It was an example to the disciples, and it was an example to everyone that was present, showing that God cares for us now. He healed this woman, didn't he, on the spot, straight away. What is it that we can do to heal friends, work colleagues, relatives so they can come to Jesus and experience exactly what we've had the opportunity to experience. We've heard testimony. I remember Donald uh, coming up here and talking about how he talked to some of his work colleagues and brought them to Christ. You know, and I'm going to use this example. We spoke to an ex-employee of ours. He saw our Christian life. In our business, we have a huge wooden cross screwed to the wall. We had a meeting with this person. He's thinking of becoming a vicar. So, So that for us is absolutely superb. What did we do? Just drawing alongside our staff, talking to them about Jesus and having that emblem. What sort of emblems have you got in your house when people walk in to your house? How do people know you're Christians? Everything I'm saying to you is also a challenge to me. It's a challenge to me, it's a challenge to my my wife, and it's a challenge to everyone. But you know, the best part of this passage is right at the end. I think this is fantastic. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. How would you like to be part of that scenario? How would you like to be part of that scenario now? Do you know what it all boils down to friends is this, is there will come a time that you know mission. I thought years and years ago as a child uh, and I went to a church in central London and we used to have some terrific missionary suppers there and I used to think that mission was for old geezers with a beard and you know what before I came out this morning I looked in the mirror And I saw an old geezer with a beard. Mission, friends, is for everyone. There will come a time where we meet Jesus, and it's my prayer that myself, this whole church family, everyone associated with us, will be able to say, at the end of the day, when we meet Jesus, Jesus will say one thing, and one thing only, to us. Thank you. Good And faithful servant. Amen.